0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. I would suggest this man by the name of
1: Haman was demon-possessed satanically uh, for the purpose of annihilating the entire Jewish race. And this is something that Satan has been trying to do from the beginning of time, starting with demonically possessing Cain to murder Abel, from whom he thought that the seed that would crush his head would
0: come. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. All throughout history, the Jewish people have faced countless attacks, both on an individual level as well as national. While some might suggest that hatred towards Jewish people is merely racist or prejudice there's far more at stake. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the demonic nature behind the persecution of the Jews. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Esther chapter five with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: We'll begin in Esther chapter 5, but I think it would be good if I uh, took just a little bit of time and kind of brought everyone up to speed, especially for the benefit of those who haven't been with us uh, for the first four chapters of Esther. So the story begins, and I'm even reluctant to call it a story because it tends to come packaged with this connotation of not being a true story. It's just a Bible story. And this is also why I shy away from calling the men and women of God that we are introduced to in the pages of Scripture. I I have difficulty referring to them as characters. Because again, the connotation is is that they are fictional characters, and they they were not fictional characters, and these are not just stories, and it's not even just based on a true story. This is a true story. This happened. I hope you know that we are going to see Esther and Mordecai in heaven, and many of them with them as well. These are real people. And by the way, Esther, at the time that this happened, was uh, very young, probably not quite 20 years old. I mean, there's uh, really no way we're not told in the Scriptures exactly what her age was. We just know that she was very young. Mary, it's believed, was about 17 years old when the angel appeared to her and told her that she was with child. Uh, and that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. Think about that. Uh, Joseph, uh, her soon-to-be husband, could not have been that much older as well. And while I'm at it, I might as well uh, mention that when Jesus called the disciples, uh, many of them were very young. Uh, Late teens, perhaps. uh, Very unlikely, but perhaps at the very oldest, they were in their 20s, I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who himself, as a pastor, was very young. And he says, don't let the people in the church that you pastor uh, look down on you for your age or try to intimidate you because of how young you are. And it was very likely that he was younger as the pastor of the church than those that were in the church that he was the pastor of. And so I, I guess I say that to say this, God uses young people. Uh, he, he uses old people too, so, but uh, this is uh, a very uh, fascinating account. But the uh, story begins with a uh, king who gets drunk, basically, and calls for his queen, Vashti is her name, to come, And some believe that he wanted her to come and do something kind of inappropriate. And she refused. And he became incensed and humiliated in front of all of his royal, uh, you know, kingdom, all of the men that were there at this drunken banquet that they had. And so then the men had also become very concerned that if the queen is going to disrespect and defy and disobey the king, what are their wives going to do when they get home? So they come together and consult the legal ramifications of Queen Vashti's refusal to come at the king's command, and they surmise that uh, she should be deposed as queen and that she should come before the king no more. In other words, the king is now in the market for a new queen. <laughs> Enter Esther. Hadassah is her Jewish name, uh, renamed Esther. And again, she's very young. We're also introduced to her cousin, some say her uncle. If they were in Hawaii, she, she would be, <laughs> he would be uncle, Mordecai. Everybody's uncle and auntie. But, uh, this is her cousin slash uncle. And, um, this is a man of God. And he takes Esther under his wing and becomes really a father to her. Why? Because she was orphaned at a very young age. We don't know what happened to her parents. Uh, speculation abounds. It's obviously irrelevant to the account and the record of Esther's life. We just know that she was orphaned and so Mordecai uh, becomes really that father figure uh, for her. So the men suggest to the king, hey why don't you get all of the beautiful young women and uh, basically abduct them uh, sometimes people sanitize the account and suggest that it was a beauty pageant. It really wasn't a beauty pageant. Uh, these women, some believe as many as 400, were taken from their families, never to be seen again by their families. And they were taken into the harem of the king from which he would select only one. So uh, this beauty pageant slash abduction of all of these young girls was for the purpose of the king now selecting from them a new queen. And we see the hand of God and the providence of God and the sovereignty of God throughout and we'll see it again tonight in a very fascinating way. So, of course, of all of these beautiful young women, he chooses Esther. What a coincidence, huh? No no coincidence. (laughs) This is God raising her up for such a time as this, as we saw last week. However, there's a problem, because We were also introduced to a very evil man. I would suggest this man by the name of Haman was demon-possessed satanically uh, for the purpose of annihilating the entire Jewish race. And this is something that Satan has been trying to do from the beginning of time, starting with demonically possessing Cain to murder Abel, from whom he thought... That the seed that would crush his head would come. I don't want to get into that tonight. Time doesn't permit. But this Haman was a, a descendant. He was an Agagite. He was a Amalekite, a descendant of Agag. And we learned this very detail at the very beginning of the book that he was this descendant of an Amalekite that King Saul should have 400 years prior completely annihilated. And he didn't, and he disobeyed God. It cost him not only his kingdom, it cost him his life. And were he obedient to the command of God, this Agagite, this Malachite, this Haman would not even be alive. But he is alive, and he is going to attempt to annihilate God's people, the Jewish people, every single Jew from the entire face of the earth. Sound familiar? For those of you who know typology, this is a type of the Antichrist who will seek yet future during the seven-year tribulation to annihilate and eliminate the entirety of the Jewish people. So what does he do? Well, because Mordecai refuses to bow down to him, Mordecai, the Jew, Mordecai the Jew is how he's referred to in the text. And so here's this Haman demanding to be worshipped when he's upon the horse, riding through the kingdom, and here's Mordecai refusing. I don't bow to you. I only bow to the true and the living God. And this Haman becomes so full of rage that he convinces the king to issue an irrevocable edict to annihilate, and they cast lots per, which is where we're going to get Purim, which is the feast of Purim, that's at the end of the book, that comes as a result of this. One year from the day the lot is cast when they will carry out this edict to eliminate all of the Jews. And this is an irrevocable edict that the king gives him his signet ring to implement. Now unbeknownst to Haman, the king's queen, whom he loves, is herself a Jew. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, he knows Mordecai, who refuses to bow down to him, is a Jew, and that's why he wants to eliminate the Jews. The same demonic spirit that possessed this Haman, is the same demonic spirit that possessed the Amalekites from whom he comes to destroy all of the Jewish people. So the king now has issued this edict, and Mordecai learns of it, hears about it, and he tears his clothes in mourning, in sackcloth, and ashes, and he sends message to Esther, and he says to Esther, there's an edict that's been issued. Unbeknownst to her, she has no idea that this has happened. And so she proclaims a fast for three days and three nights. And all of God's people are going to pray and fast for three nights three days and three nights. And she informs Mordecai that the king has not summoned her to him in a month. And... Mordecai says, you need to go to the king because this edict has been issued by the king. He doesn't know what Haman has got him to do. Esther, you need to do something. Esther's not being reluctant in responding to Mordecai. She's just informing him that it's been a month, and you know, Mordecai, what happens if I go to the king uninvited, and I approach him, and he does not put out that golden scepter, I'm dead in an instant. It's off with my head. So Mordecai says to Esther, Esther, you know, I know you know this, that God raised, I mean, what are the odds, right? That a Jewish girl, a young Jewish girl would become queen? you know that God has orchestrated this, that you have been raised up as queen for such a time as this. And he says to her, if you remain silent, don't think that you will not perish. You or your family will not perish. Because if you remain silent, God will find somebody else. Deliverance will come from another. In other words, Mordecai knows God's going to deliver his people. Whether you do it or not, God will deliver his people. But here's the thing, Esther. God has put you in that position to be the one who approaches the king. So she responds in this proclamation of a fast for three days and three nights. They're going to pray and fast. And she says, okay, Mordecai, I'm going to do it. I know that's why God raised me up. And if I perish, I perish. And that's where we left off in chapter four, and we pick it up now in chapter five. All right, let's jump in. Verse one, Esther five. Now it happened on the third day. This is after the fasting and praying that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. A lot of detail there in verse one, right? So it was, verse 2, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. (laughs) Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter, and the king said to her, "'What do you wish, Queen Esther?' What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom." All right, so we're off to a good start. (laughs) Thank God he put out that golden scepter. We knew he would, right? Like God's going to let Esther perish. God brings her to that point, and then he's just going to let her perish? Come on. So he holds out the scepter, Esther touches it, and you got to wonder what was going through her mind at that moment. you got to know that she knew that God had given him, given her favor in his eyes, that he would send out or put out this golden scepter. But don't be dismissive of this great courage and this great faith that she would have had to have had in order to do this. And then I think about the king on the other side of this. I I like how one said it. uh, This king doesn't have a good reputation in how he treats his queens. And here now his queen is approaching. Don't you find it kind of ironic? Sort of a, a paradox? The king summons for Vashti and she doesn't come? The king doesn't summoned for Esther, and she does come. Isn't that interesting? And he puts out the golden scepter. Well, by doing this, of course, he spares Esther's life, but not only is Esther's life spared, I truly believe that the Lord directed him to do this. The Lord put it on his heart. I'll even go as far as saying the Lord moved his hand, to hold out that golden scepter, and not only hold out the golden scepter, sparing her life, I can just imagine the men surrounding the king getting ready to draw their swords. And in that moment, until he put out the golden scepter, were ready at the king's command to put her to death. This is this is unthinkable. And not only does he put out the golden scepter, but he says to her, because she found favor in his eyes. Esther, my queen, (laughs) darling, whatever you want. What is your request? Why do you approach me uninvited? How, How courageous of you. What is it that you want? I will give you whatever you want up to half of my kingdom. The Lord put that on his heart. The Lord moved him to do that. This is Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. You know, you see a river going downstream. Imagine the hand of Almighty God directing the king's heart like that water downstream. God is directing everything. Verse 4, So Esther answered, (laughs) imagine how relieved she is, if it pleases the king, Let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So? The king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? And he says it again, he repeats it. Up to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. Notice how eloquently, how magnificently, how beautifully she says this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Is uh, Esther having like second thoughts here? Is she losing courage, losing heart? I mean, she just had the courage and the faith, the holy boldness, if you will, to approach the king, uninvited, willing to perish. And now she has them there at the banquet, and the king reiterates his willingness to give her up to half of the kingdom, and she's like, I'll tell you tomorrow. (laughs) Is she cowering in fear? Absolutely not. It might seem like that at first read, but upon closer examination, this is not fear. This is wisdom, as we'll soon see. This is remarkable wisdom, and The reason I believe that and say that is because, think about this, Esther and all of her people with her have just got done praying and fasting for three days. You don't think they've heard from the Lord? You don't think they've received wisdom from above? I think of what James said, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give you wisdom, and he will be so generous, he will not withhold any wisdom. He will give you all the wisdom you need, and the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then easy to be entreated, and full of mercy and good fruits, without hypocrisy or partiality. That's the wisdom that she received during that time of praying and fasting. Let me once again, hasten to say that one of the things God has been really ministering to me uh, in recent months is the power of prayer and fasting. Now, I want you to be careful. Sometimes you have. To, there are many different kinds of fasts. There are some medical considerations when it comes to fasting. Some people just do a liquid fast. I, when I was younger, I used to be able to fast longer, but. The most I can go now before I, you know, my brain starts shutting down, which doesn't take much (laughs) for that to happen, but is about three days, three days and two nights. About that third night, I've got to break the fast. Sometimes I'll fast for a day and a night and and regularly and consistently. Uh, It's not that when you, I don't want to get into a whole thing on fasting, but prayer and fasting is so powerful. Prayer and fasting is humbling oneself before God and asking of God for anything. And God hearkens under the voice of our cry when we humble ourselves before him in prayer and fasting. And that's what fasting is. It's humbling oneself before the Lord, as is prayer. And it's so powerful. And she heard from God. She was on the receiving end of the wisdom from above And God ministered this to her. I really, truly believe with all my heart that God put it on her heart in that moment to wait one more day.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Esther today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we strive to bring you God's word in a way that blesses your life and challenges you to grow closer to your creator. The book of Esther is one that encourages a deep faith, especially The world seems to be falling apart around you. Esther didn't crumble under extreme pressure. She instead turned to God and asked her people to pray fervently for her. Prayer is so important in the life of a believer. It's not just a way to tell God what you need. It's a way to hear from Him and get to know Him better. Prayer can be the difference in any situation. So start there today. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, you'll find it at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on listen. Having access to messages from God's Word adds some great encouragement to the pauses in your day and helps to keep your focus on Him. You can also download our mobile app for Apple and Android phones to take these teachings wherever you go. Find a link at inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to include you in our weekly services. Come by Thursday nights for an in-depth Bible study at 7 p.m. or on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. We'd love to meet you and add your voice to our time of worship. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. May God continue to bless your study of His Word and may you grow closer to Him each day. Join us next time to continue in the book of Esther on In Spirit and Truth.